Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And it is uh, June 29th, quarter to 6 p.m. here on the East Coast. Um, Yankees game has wrapped up for the day, and Aaron Judge has hit another home run. And boy, oh boy, uh, he is now one home run away from home run number 30 on the year. And it is not yet the all-star break, which means he is on pace for over 60 home runs. He's currently on pace for 62 home runs for this MLB season, which would be good for uh, the most in Yankees franchise history and most in the American league uh, history, uh, surpassing Roger Maris by a single home run. Um, And that's a wild thing to think. I still am too far away from it from the end of the season to really believe it. Um, Call it just pure, not apathy, but uh, uh, what would the term be? Uh, Just I fully expect it all to collapse before we even get close, so I'm not going to look forward to that happening. Yeah. I got that because the the thing about these counting stat milestones or single season records is that they rely on health. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Aaron judge is injury prone because he's not uh, even though people continue to say that. Um, But if he were to become injured at any point this year for honestly, more than like a week, um, Really, like the you know, it's a ten day minimum if you're going to hit the IL. Um, makes it harder. Makes it a lot harder, especially with how th- this seems so stupid to say, with how thin the margin is on this on pace. Because um, it's not like he's on pace for seventy, and you go like, all right, well, you know, he can reasonably cool off a, a lot and still hit sixty. He's on pace for sixty two, which means there's not a lot of room for error for him to get to sixty. Mm-hmm. So missing, you know, 10, 15 games would be substantive. Uh, it's, you miss 15 games, it's 10% of your season. You know, mm-hmm. so if, if he hit 62 games or 62 home runs, you take 10% of that, all of a sudden he's not hitting six home runs. It takes him from 62 down to 56 with all the same pacing. And right. uh, yeah, that's uh, significant. And that's also the, you know, pretty basic, but also pretty big assumption that he maintains this space pace regardless. Right. And to that effect, I have Aaron judges uh, numbers by the month uh, for his career. Now, I guess this is a little bit skewed because I actually only pulled this from baseball references, player splits page. I guess I could run a query instead. Uh, I was going to say this is a little bit skewed because some of these months have already happened. So these numbers inherently then include his um, home runs that he's hit this year. So, you know what? Give me one second. I'm going to run a query. All right. So I ran a query to remove the months or this current year from the thing. So Aaron Judge has hit his will go fewest to start fewest home runs uh, historically speaking in the month of May, which has now since elapsed. Um, he has hit his most home runs in it was kind of September and October. Oh, it's got to be regular season. 
Yeah, because the regular season sometimes extends out. So, all right, so that's just regular season. Yeah, um, September, October. He was at 35 home runs in the month of September slash October, which means if you account for his career, 186 home runs, then those uh, 35 home runs are 19% of his total home runs. Um, Yeah. Now, the month immediately preceding that, which would be August, good for his third best month in the year, 28 home runs. Or another way of looking at that. Uh, oh, shit. There we go. 15% of his career home runs come in August. And July is his second worst month. So we're heading into, uh, I guess, once he gets past July, two of his three best hitting months per home runs of his career. So I guess there's two ways of looking at it. One, July might be scary um, because he's only hit 22 home runs in the month of July. Second fewest right behind May. Uh, However, on the flip side of that, May, he's typically not good in um, for home runs. He has only hit 21 home runs in the month of May in his career Uh, up until this year where he hit 33. Oh, sorry. No, boy. Oh, sorry. Could you no, imagine he if he had 43? No, no, he did not. <laughs> I have it still on career um, splits. Not not this season. Hold on. I'm not even going to edit li- that out. I'm leaving that in. Oh, man. I do like that you read the number. And before you even like caught yourself, you knew that number was wrong. He hit 12, which, <laughs> wow, that's fucking nuts. So from 2016 uh, to 2021, five years. Granted, he didn't play a lot in 2016, um, but still five years. He only amassed 21 home runs in the month of May. And then this year he hit 12, effectively increasing that number by over 50%. That's fucking nuts. Um, can you check your mic, the connection on your mic? Uh, how are we sounding? Uh, like you're a little loose. Ah, the technical difficulties of running a podcast. Mm. Um, anyway, funny enough, uh, if we look at Aaron Judge's career splits, in terms of uh, OPS, the latter part of the year is not his best. It, it, April through May, those those three months, or, or two months, by the way, Baseball Reference calculates it, are actually his two best months. His OPS in April, March is uh, 1,011, and his OPS in May is 1,019. Uh, June, it's 945. July, it's 865. August, it's 900. And then uh, September and October, it's 926. So those last three months of the year are the worst three months for him. But by home runs, those are actually two of, like I just said, two of the three best months for his home run counts um, of his career. So it's it's kind of funny how that goes. So is he chasing these counting stats going all out just swinging for the fences every time and it's causing him to be a worse player is Aaron Judge selfish and is it hurting the Yankees find out more at 11 yeah a question that can only be answered with the passage of time Uh, (laughs) interestingly enough we still don't have an extension Uh, Aaron Judge did sign his um, arbitration deal he settled which was crazy Uh, the Yankees initially were offering 17 at the outset of the arbitration hearing and Judge was looking for 21 
they met in the middle at 19. Uh, man, if I was him, I'd, I'd have taken that shit to the goddamn Supreme Court. Well, oh, which doesn't mean much today. Um, but like I would have taken that shit to the highest authority that reasonably could rule on it as possible to be like, no, I demand $21 million. I am your team right now. As someone who's not a Yankees fan, I really hope that's him going to his agent just saying, I'm sick of hearing from these motherfuckers. They don't want to sign me to an extension, which he has come out and said, we're done talking to him. Let's find a new team. Mic drop. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm scared. And it's so funny because I had so much joy when oh Mookie God. Betts did this to the Red Sox. I had I, I felt so happy when Mookie was like, no, fuck you. I'm not taking an extension. I'm going to go test free agency. And that brought me such joy. And now that I'm going through it with Aaron Judge, I'm very sad. Um, non sequitur for a second. Uh, what could Eric Hosmer have done to make me just drop my head into my hands? If you had one guess. The only thing I saw from a highlight perspective was yesterday's play. No, so like live. Live. Oh, like just now, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. hit into a ground ball double play. Yes, he did. Yeah. Just the one play he knows how to make every time. Um, did you did you see that Hosmer play that I was talking about where they they got walked off by the Diamondbacks yesterday? I think. Uh, I heard about what happened and have been avoiding that clip. Basically, it was a ball hit between the first and second baseman. Uh, Hosmer gets to it and knocks it down, gets it in his glove. And then from his knees, really bad, awkward throw to second with runners on first and second because the ball gets dropped by the second baseman trying to get the lead runner or the uh, runner going from first to second out. The runner from second had just powered his ass around third. And because the outfield wasn't playing close enough to corral that ball that got away from the second baseman was able to score. Um Bad play, bad, bad play. Haas probably couldn't have gotten into first, but dude, just put it in your pocket. Yeah. Like the runner wouldn't have scored. There was an open base at third. If anything, throw home. It's um that feels like a mistake a rookie would make. Where it's like you you think you can do everything because in college you you were the guy. You know, or on your triple A team, you were you are currently the guy, but uh not something that Eric Hosmer of all people should do. Four time gold glover to do. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, dude, you have gold gloves. Four of them. This one should should that should have been a deduction of one. Take one back. Yeah. Rawlings shows up at your door like uh, okay. Oz. You're embarrassing the organization. He. He only has one year where he finished the season with positive D war 2020 his third year in San Diego. He finished with positive 0.1 D war. So good shit. And he earned every drop of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Let's actually see if we can, uh, they would have errors up. Oh, Jesus. Um, Assists and errors on baseball reference are right next to each other. Uh, and as I was working my way down, it's like he had 55 errors this year. Uh, but no, he has three. That's how I felt about the, the Aaron Judge 33 home runs in the, <laughs> the month of March. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So 
the 60 home run pace, it's such a tough thing. I So Aaron Judge bats second in the lineup. And I, the, the one thing I, I thought of um, this morning while I was watching the game or early this afternoon was, I don't know if you remember when Stanton had 59 or so. Like, I think they might start this around 58. Um, when he was still with the Marlins. And he was mm-hmm. also, I'm pretty sure, batting second. And they actually put him up to batting first, batting leadoff, just to get him, you know, maybe an extra plate appearance or so yeah. to, to give him the extra chance to, to hit 60, uh, which he didn't end up doing. He ended the season with 59 home runs, one MVP that year. Um, you got to wonder if they do that with a judge in the late goings. It's tough because the Marlins were essentially out of that year. So them losing any games or risking hurting Giancarlo or like, you know, they, they could do stuff to chase a little bit. Uh, the Yankees are obviously going on, on pace to go to the playoffs that anything could happen. Um, but it's like, I'm not sure what the Yankees would be willing to do to help judge chase that at the end of the season, if he's close, but not there, you know? Uh, sorry, two guys just collided in the outfield going for a, a pop fly. Sexy. Yeah, no. Um, all right, I promise I, I will give you back my attention. That's okay. I I do sort of wish that, like, I don't know who the Yankees close out their year with, but if it's someone that's out of it, I do kind of hope we start seeing some grooved fastballs like I mean, Bonds got at the end just to kind of, like, Ah, come on. Let's see someone do it. Here you yeah. go, big guy. I mean, the problem is it's probably going to be a grouping of the Orioles, Red Sox, Blue. Like, it's going to be interdivision stuff. Uh, I don't see them giving you that kind of send-off. No. Really don't. I, I don't either. Which is a shame because, you know, if the Yankees need anything, it's, it's for other teams to cut them a break. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't. What have the Red Sox been doing? Are they still unwatchable? No, they've been on a tremendous pace. Um, they had just lost a series to the Blue Jays, which put them uh, now below them in the standings by a half a game. But they were previously above the Blue Whoa. Jays, worked up to second in the division. Yeah, um, had a huge month in June which amounted to nothing because I think the start of the month, 12 games back in the division and are now 13 and a half games back in the division because these Yankees don't fucking lose, bro. Half a game back from Toronto. Yeah. And how about also, this is not what I plan on talking about today at all. How about my, these goddamn Orioles, right? Six games. I I did want to talk about them because we have been talking dog shit about them for Quite a long time, and it's well, almost like the rebuilds. Kind of I have had a bold players. prediction for at least the last two years that the Orioles will eventually be buyers because they have bottomed out, and it looks like that might end up coming true to some capacity here because they're dangerously close to 500. Dangerously, the Orioles well, would have you a better record to buy this year? Well, eventually, eventually, you have to start getting some players. Even and I'm not saying they have to go out and trade for like you know Frankie Montas, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to trade for like the top guys in the thing, but eventually you're going to have to go out and start acquiring some dudes and being like, all right, we know the you know the the dudes we got, 
and we know the positions that need dudes. So let's go out and get some mid-tier dudes, and then we'll go and get some free agent dudes, and then we'll we'll reevaluate again come next trade deadline when we see how all these dudes pan out. But they've got some dudes, man. What's funny is like they they don't even have anyone that's like why isn't why isn't Adley Rushman listed on there? Does he not have enough games yet? He might not. Um, oh, you seen Robinson Chirinos instead? Um, no, Adley Rushman, by the way. Um, I don't see any catcher. They only have eight guys here. Adley Rushman, 31 games so far this year, an OPS plus of 103. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ryan Mountcastle at first base has been an excellent hitter. Austin Hayes, uh, Anthony Santander, and Trey Mancini have all been great this year. Cedric Mullins is having an, a, a good year, uh, quite down from where he was at last year, but you know, 97 OPS plus, and he's still been playing good outfield defense, so tough to complain too much. Um, but yeah, they, they've all been doing really well. Uh, the rotation's been rough for sure. Um, that's to be expected. Tyler Wells has been apparently really good. Um, Ray Mateo has been great. Defensive superstar. Sure. I, think I do well. Um, wow. Their bullpen has been phenomenal. Jorge Lopez is rocking an ERA plus of 538, 534. Yeah, that's impressive. Very I mean, not to cut that. Yeah. Um, four of the five guys of their top bullpen uh, innings dudes have a, a 200 ERA plus or higher. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Aiken also has like a 170. Their wow, their bullpen's pretty legit. Good for good for the. I did not realize that. Good for the O's. So I'm I'm just saying like I wouldn't be surprised Who? if they try to you know go get like a mid tier starter or somebody. Who is their starting five? John Means. No, he's hurt. Okay, then I got nobody. Exactly. Uh, Jordan Lyles, sure. who was with the Rangers last year. I'm familiar with the name. Uh, Tyler Wells, who, man, um, I'm going to crack open his page. And he was he's just an Oriole. That, that's it. Um, he's not very good. Or he's, he's the best guy on the team, but I don't know who he is. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman, who is listed as on the 40 man. So I guess he's not currently up with the big league team. Kyle Bradish, who's currently on the IL Spencer Watkins, who's been fine. And Dean Kremer, who apparently has been lights out with his 1.29 ERA and only 28 innings though. Um, so those are their five. Them's hmm. the guys. Yeah. Um, uh, again, Jordan Lyles, your name I've heard before. Yeah, they've amassed like a handful of starts from some other weird dudes who don't have a lot of innings. Like Austin Voth has two starts this year. Den Yi Reyes has a start. Um, Chris Ellis has, who's on the 60 day IL, has two starts. Um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, the O's currently have a better record than the Detroit Tigers. Kansas City Royals, Oakland A's have the same record as the Seattle Mariners. Um, better record than 
the Miami Marlins, Washington Nationals, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and Colorado Rockies. I think that puts them pretty middle of the pack, which is sad, but still. Do you remember when we were talking about the Mariners going to the playoffs? What the fuck happened? I mean, Uh, we know what happened, like major pitching regression, hitting not being able to do enough, but oof, they've fallen pretty damn far. I mean, a major pitching regression. Robbie Ray... Wow, that contract's not working out at all. Nope. I mean, granted, a 3.78 ERA is not horrible, but from what he was last year that I I know none of us really expected him to do again, uh, and then into what he has become this year, it's just woof. And then their bullpen's been garbage. Seawald's been good. Penn Murphy's been good. And then it's just been like shit outside of that. Um, Eric Swanson apparently has also been lights out, but even then from these other dudes, I don't really know the names of who have been chewing up innings for them. I, man, it's just been thin, crazy thin. The only two starters that have an above 100 ERA plus are Logan Gilbert and Marco Gonzalez, which makes sense. Um, yeah, like Chris Flexen took a big step back. He had a 3.61 ERA last year and a 4.31 this year, up you know almost three quarters of a point. That's tough. Uh, they have George Kirby up for the first time this year, 4.08 ERA. Probably wouldn't be bad for your fifth starter, but uh, it's just tough because no one's really – Logan Gilbert's been great. That's it. Gonzalez is good. Everyone else is like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nice to see you. I'm glad I uh, I know I had some prediction involving Robbie Ray being uh, dog shit with the bold predictions. And uh, I'm glad it looks like I'll at least get one right. Man, their hitting looks pretty decent, though. Catcher, 114 OPS plus. Ty France, who I know is currently on the IL. Um, 153 JP Crawford, 10, uh, no, 114 Eugenio Suarez, 123 Jesse Winker, 106 Julio Rodriguez, 129 Taylor Trammell, 126. The two weak spots are Adam Frazier, uh, with the 73 and Abraham Toro with the 57. Um, the bench also not super good, uh, which you know, mm. oof, Justin Upton, OPS plus 31. Uh, what one? 31. Hey, dude. Love you. Such a great career. Um, you, you might want to uh, think about uh, retiring. Yeah. Just do it. Do it for all of us. You, you know what's wild? His career war is um, 32.4, which I really would have expected to be higher. Yeah, I think I would have too. I think it would have been solidly like 40, 41. Yeah. Hey. Granted, the last two years, the last, sorry, four years, he's been worth negative 2.4 war. So it definitely was higher four years okay. ago. Whoa. Yeah. Oof. Ouch. My bones. <laughs> yeah. Um, bones are their money. Yeah, that's tough. Sorry, Justin. It's time to stop. Um, yeah. You're very wealthy. I, I don't need to apologize to you. 
speaking of teams who are bad, uh, the Oakland A's have not just been drawing ire from fans for, you know, not being good in any way, shape or form, uh, but have been also drawing the ire of owners, which it's weird to be on their side, but the owners are on the right side for once only because it's fucking with their dollars. Um, So the point of contention amongst fans and owners alike is that the Oakland A's aren't spending any money. This is a fan gripe anytime any owner does it anywhere. This is an owner gripe this year because MLB reinstituted revenue sharing. And instead of expanding the Oakland A's expanding their payroll due to the increase of dollars, they have instead shed payroll over this past offseason and are pocketing the money that they are now receiving from other owners, um, which obviously is pissing owners off because you're essentially just taking money that really, if we're being honest, you would have kept yourself because it's his excess dollars that the owners definitely weren't putting back into their team. Um, but you're just, so really it is truly a wealth transfer. It is money that, you know, Hal Steinbrenner would have kept for yacht number seven and is instead funding the owner of the Oakland A's yacht number three or whatever, uh, instead of it being an on-field product where you're forced to spend it in any kind of way. And so for once, the fans and owners alike are aligned. Um, and it's showing, man, the, in, in the Oakland A's performance, they have a 325 win percent. Oh, my God. Worst in baseball, on the second lowest payroll in baseball, only above the Baltimore Orioles, who are lapping them in performance uh, with a 461 win percent. We just said they are performing better than many teams this year for once. Um, what gives me hope for change, which wow. is a sentence that I, I think it's been several months since I've uttered uh, such a phrase. Um, because you're fucking with the owner's money. I think we finally see revenue sharing causing a price floor to get potentially implemented is that something they have to do in the cba or is that something the owners can vote on at the end of the season i don't know i would imagine i would imagine it has to go through the cba because players would have to get a voice in that because even though the theoretically it would positively affect their their wallets it would still affect their earnings in a certain capacity so I would imagine the players would have to have a voice in it. Uh, yeah, real quick. Um, last year, wow. All right, last year, total adjusted salary, uh, or I guess in this term, payroll, $88.68 million. So their payroll got cut in half. In half with revenue sharing being added back in at a higher quantity and where that money goes straight into the, uh, what's his fucking name? It's like Jim something. It's like not white boy Supreme name. Jim oh. Brown boy Supreme. Actually, Jim Brown sounds totally right. Um, John Fisher. See, just generic Oops. white man name. If you said, if you said, uh, 
Paige and John Fisher at the Bass Pro Shop. Half of the people would. That was really good. That sounded correct. (laughs) Wow. That was a total guess at how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Professionals. That's what we are. Just hoping and praying based on what I've seen comedians do in stand up specials. It's true. That, yeah. <laughs> what's uh all right, non sequitur. What's uh what's a stand up I should watch later? What's a stand up that Quinn and I should watch later? I haven't really watched a lot of stand up, we're being honest here. Sure, recently. Sure. Go go rewatch a Carlin special. They're all on Amazon Prime. Uh fair. That's very fair. They're all great. It's true. Upsetting. But great. Yeah. Um, so the Oakland A's, Corwin Heller, who's the highest played player on the Oakland Athletics? And for bonus points, tell me what their salary is for this. You know year. what? Uh first initial thought was Matt Chapman. Doesn't play for that team. No, he does um, not. I doubt it's Frankie Montes. Um Frankie would be the third. Highest paid player on the team. Uh, by the way, Ooh, if you had, fuck. if Matt Chapman was on the team, he would be the highest paid player. Yeah. So points to you for that. Who the fuck is it? A pitcher or position player? Position player. Uh, Ramon Laureano. Nope, he is a deal yet? An ARB player still. Fuck, I don't know. Dude, this is so Scotty. It's Stephen Piscotty. Is it? It's nah. Stephen Piscotti. Corwin Heller, how much is he getting paid? <laughs> Stephen Piscotti. For the was... highest paid player on the team. I, I, I don't think it's over $10 million a year. I think it's going to be like nine and a half. You're over. No it's way. Just, it's just over seven and a half. Oh, no. So get get this. That, you know what? Seven was like ah, Steven Spiscotti's a seven million dollar player a year. It can't be that low. Oh. So so number one, number two are Piscotti and Elvis Andres, um, who's Andres is also getting paid seven seven million flat. And then after that, it's ARB players. It's all ARB players. Legit. Uh, let's see. The next one, two, three, four, five players are all arbitration. They have there's two, two guys. There's two vets making vet minimum there. Uh, two old dudes, Stephen Voigt, who's getting paid, he was 37. Wow. Yeah. And Jed Lowry, who's 38. Each of them getting paid literally vet minimum 850. Um, and then after that, it's pre-arb players. So we're in we're in the hundreds of thousands. So if we're going top ten, let's see two, four, six, eight. 10 the 10th highest paid player on the Oakland Athletics is making league minimum because he is pre-arbitration. What the fuck? Pick another team. Oh god. Uh the Rangers, they can't be spending money. They the, actually just spent a lot of money this offseason. Yeah, they spent a whole bunch of money. Um <laughs> Fuck um, you, Tex. They are Texas me, Rangers. Are go ahead. Give me the Diamondbacks. Okay, Arizona Diamondbacks are twenty fifth in payroll at eighty six point seven million. Um, let's see. Let's look at their tenth highest paid player. Uh, let's see. Two, four, six, eight, 
10. It is an arbitration player and second RBer, Caleb Smith, making $2 million. $2 million salary on the Oakland A's would be eighth. Jesus. Yeah, just below Uh, Loriano, who's an R one year player. I mean, it's depraved. It is. It is depraved. Yeah. And it. uh, Sorry, what are you gonna say? Nothing productive. (laughs) Why? And so if we were to add back in, this was the little thought experiment I wanted us to kind of run through a little bit. If we were to add back in some payroll to get them up a little bit closer to where they were last year, you know, like how, how many players do you want to give them uh, with their current contracts? Make up that extra, let's call it $50 million. i do four players, five players. Sure. How many you want to do? Yeah, four. All right. So in that case, we're looking for four different or five different 10 million a year players, just about of which there are plenty. So let's see. You could add in uh, uh, Jose Burgess is having a tough year. Uh, Dansby Swanson is a $10 million a year player. Uh, he is currently, as we talked about just in the last episode, leading all shortstops in war this year, or uh, at least all National League shortstops, I believe. Well. Uh, that's a template. Now you couldn't assign him. He's under a different type of contract, but that's the kind of value you could go out there and find Sonny Gray with the Minnesota twins uh, is a $10 million a year player. Joey Gallo, $10 million a year player. Carlos Santana, who just got traded to Seattle because he's having himself a tight a year, $10 million a year player. Teoscar Hernandez, $10 million per year player. A Eugenio Suarez is now at 11 million, which is a, uh, I guess at the tippy top of our budget. Um, it I just like man I those if you added four players like that four like what two three war players you know how much of a difference that would make on the Oakland Athletics organization this season uh, I imagine immensely well just to paint a picture for you I would like you now Corwin to guess how much war the player on the Oakland A's with the most war has. The I'm not going to ask you war. who it is, but how much war do they have? 1.7. Oh. oh, my friend. It's not that good. 0.3. What? <laughs> What? Oh, sorry. That's that's win. That's wins above average. Sorry for war. It's zero point eight. I mean, it's not much better, but fuck. Zero point eight. The 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 A's have. Let's see, two, four, six, eight, nine players above zero war. That's it. That's it. So if you added four dudes, if you had one dude with two wins above replacement, he's leading the team by leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. Uh, so that is actually just batters uh, for pitchers. I, I didn't look at the pitching side of it. Uh, they have 
uh, three guys over one war, uh, Paul Blackburn, 2.3, Frankie Montez, 1.6, Cole Irvin, 1.4. And then they have a handful of guys under one, but above zero, like AJ Puck, Domingo Acevedo, Sam Mall, those types of guys. Um, but yeah, for, for batters, I mean, it is uh, rough. The, the batting war for the team, negative 2.1. Pitching war is better, 3.3. But I mean... Neither of those are good, man. Neither of those are good. This is a bad team. Um, on another it's little a- non sequitur, go ahead. Uh, I was looking at total war for all of the uh, Oakland Athletics. Uh, there's a guy here with 42.2 career war named Home Run Baker. It's the only name listed. They don't give his birth name anywhere. It doesn't matter. What do you think his career high in home runs is? All right. So if they don't list his birth year, he's got to be an old time dude. Like I'm thinking like early 1900s when the home run was like a novelty thing and no one cared. So I'm going to say his career high in home runs was like 15. Uh, 12. Damn. Oh, I was thinking 12. 12. I was thinking 12. I'm like, no, he must have been a slugger, you know? Damn it. Yeah. In, uh, in, 13 years in the big leagues, he did not break 100 home runs. Have we considered the fact that maybe he hit the first home run? <laughs> and that's why they called home run Baker. It, there's a fair chance that that happened. What was that? What's his uh, what was his first year in the bigs? 1908. Ah, damn. Philadelphia Athletics. Yeah. Nah, damn. Did not hit a home run in his first season. Maybe maybe that's maybe the name is derisive. You fucking suck, dude. You can't hit any home runs. Get out of here. Home run Baker. <sighs> maybe maybe he was always saying, this is it. This is the game. I'm cooking up a home run. So they're like, okay, home run Baker. Huh. Yeah, right. Wink, wink. Um, Yeah, he would have to do a lot of push-ups in today's MLB. Because all of his teammates would be fucking clowning him. Do they have a warning track back then? Could he even have uh, a warning, warning track. track power? You think they fucking warned people of things back in 1908? No. That's that's fair. Yeah, they didn't even have traffic lights yet, I don't think. <laughs> who who would you say has the most career war in athletics history? Ooh. Right, Parmi wants to say Ricky. Big part of me wants to say Ricky. I'm going to say Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ricky is two of Ricky's 111.1 career war. 72.7 were with the athletics, but Eddie Plank's 77.2 war with the athletics uh, of his 90.8 total is, uh, is number one. Clearly the A's have to re-sign Ricky for a handful of games. So that he can uh, cross that threshold. Yeah. Franchise leader. Current Ricky Henderson. Today, present day Ricky Henderson. Present day Ricky Henderson would be an improvement on this team. Let's not lie to ourselves. All right. Uh, do you know who Eddie Plank? You familiar with the name? No, not at all. I feel like you made it up, but go ahead. Um, played 17 seasons in Major League Baseball. Uh, debuted at age 25 in 1901. Started his first season 
3.31 ERA, brought that down to a 3.3 in his sophomore season, and never went above 287 for the remainder of his 15 years. Retired at 41 with a 1.79 ERA. Got paid $9. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. His career, he once led MLB in uh, strikeouts uh, per nine uh, with 4.9. (laughs) 4.9 leading MLB. Oh, it's just so bad. It's just so bad. Yeah, those pitch to contact dudes wouldn't make it out of single A, like short season single A. No. Eddie Plank has 90.8 career war, and he would not be drafted this year. Eddie, Eddie Plank would be surprised that we let minorities vote. <laughs> <laughs> like, his stats should be irrelevant. He, like, fucking, he would pitch to Ricky Anderson. And Ricky would just no. He would see Ricky Anderson and be like, "What did we let this happen?" Oh god, damn. Yeah, yeah. His his stats shouldn't even matter. No. But for for the A's, I, I mean, I just I just can't get over this complete payroll erasure that leads to nothing. You know, because like it's one thing when we see teams at the top end of of the payroll spectrum do this because it's very easily just justifiable in air quotes, but justifiable under the guise of, well, they're just trying to get under the um, luxury tax threshold. And then next year they're going to go all in. You can't even say that about this. Now, I'm going to pull up next year's free agent class and, hey, maybe it's a bunch of really great players. Um, oh, there actually are some really good players here. So may- maybe they do go all out in, in, in next year's thing, but there's no reason for this either. And it's just so odd because a very easy strategy that we've talked about so many times in the show when you're a bad team with low payroll is why not just sign some guys even though you're not going to expect to be good to trade them away at the trade deadline. And you can help bolster your farm system a little bit that way, since you can't trade draft picks. So you can't stock up on draft picks like you can in other leagues. You only have the ones you have. I think you can trade some certain types of picks like conditional picks, I, I think, or international draft pool money is no a, a, an option too, but whatever. doesn't matter. Like, like sign a dude. And then when it's time for, you know, the, the trade deadline to come and go, just let that dude go for a handful of prospects. I, I mean, I, pocketing the money is just such a obviously deceitful and, and heinous thing to do because why you're already rich. You fucking piece of shit asshole. You're already, you already own a baseball team. Also your parents founded the gap. Like, you do not need money. You were born in money. There's no reason for you to do this other than your piece of shit. But it also just seems like poor baseball acumen um, for eventually being able to rebuild your team and, you know, make more money. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills every time we talk about this because the easiest way for you to make more money as the owner of a baseball team is to have a baseball team that's, you know, fucking good. 
Uh, God damn, it's so fucking stupid. What a fucking insult. <laughs> Your parents found it the gap. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. MLB farm system rankings. That's what I was looking for. Where are the Oakland A's in this? I bet they're not high. Oh, they are low. Yeah. Twenty um, second. Oh my god. Twenty second. Wow, that's so not good. Um. Now, what are the Orioles? Uh, our our hometown Baltimore Orioles. They yeah. are number one. Yeah, it sounds about right. That's what you want. Uh, the number five prospect in the Oakland A's organization is a man named Max Muncie. Oh, the other Max Muncie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's spelled the same way. Yeah, I think they have the same birthday or some shit, too. Like, I think it's something freaky or they look very similar. I think it's something really wacky like that. What, can you look up the, the real Max Muncie's birthday? Yeah. Uh, the real Max Muncy's birthday is August 25th. This Max Muncy is August 25th, 2000. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's fucking know. awesome. I don't know anybody's name in my family, but I know the Max Muncy birthday. That's fucking awesome. What year? Uh, 2002. Oh, that hurts my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to know. Take it back. Take it uh, back. Nope. 2002. Oh, God. I hate it. Fuck. Um, anyway, upcoming free agents this year, which we'll obviously talk about more as free agency is upcoming. Uh, David Price, which would make sense for them to sign. J.D. Martinez, who is a lot older than I thought he was. Um, Trey Turner, Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Judge, Brandon Belt, who's old, Charlie Blackman, who's old, Adam Wainwright, who's decrepit. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi. I'm looking for people in their 20s. Uh, Joey Gallo. Actually, Joey Gallo would be a great fit for Oakland. Edwin Diaz, Dansby Swanson, Josh Bell, Gary Sanchez, apparently. Um, like, there's dudes here. I, but again, it's just so tough to justify the idea of them shedding, cutting payroll in half. For what? Um. Uh, for just a number that they can show board members? Is there a board of the Oakland Athletics? I can't. I have no idea. I honestly don't know how a baseball team works. Like I know they have an owner, but most companies still have a board. I just can't believe that there's not a stipulation within the revenue sharing program that it has to it has to be allocated to payroll or operations in some way. You know what I mean? Like there's no way that the Oakland A's could go from $87 million of payroll last year and receive, I don't know, let's say they received 20 million bucks or some shit like that. Who the fuck knows? I'm going to make up a number. Um, So theoretically they should be comfortable spending a hundred million dollars at minimum this upcoming for this season and instead are, are spending, you know, 40, 44, which means that they're 45, which means they're pocketing um, you know, $60 million off of that. And I just, I can't believe that the ownership group would be uh, owners within 
MLB would be so vapid as to not say, here's some rules. Y- you know? Uh, I. This is why I think it could potentially happen where the owners are just, uh, we're sick of this shit. Like, even if it is a laughably low floor, I could easily see them thinking that it's something that needs to be done because look, the Orioles, as much as we just, just pile on the hate for the way that they've been rebuilding and the way that they've been going about their rebuild, it's looking more likely than not that it's going to be effective. I mean, they have an incredible farm system. The young talent that's in the majors now is, you know, difference making. Uh, and they're six games out of 500. That's very good. And the toughest division so, in baseball. Yeah. And if owners can look at that and say, hey, we could just fucking do nothing, save a ton of money and just trade everything for prospects and draft picks potentially uh, for a couple of years and, and we could have ourselves a, a solid team. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I, I am as, as mad as I am at the um, Oakland Athletic uh, fucking John, John Fisher for not spending any money. Uh, it is hilarious, though, that um, billionaires have to be on the uh, shit end of corporate welfare. Ah, oh, no, this is how it feels. Damn, this sucks. We've received so many. We got bailed out. Or inherited all of our wealth. It's like, you know who's really just sitting back and uh, collecting welfare checks? This fucking asshole. <laughs> this guy. That guy over there. And you show know what his welfare checks PPP are? Loans. Millions. Show me. Show, I thought you were going to stop at the second page. Show me your PP. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to solve anything, Corwin. You never um, know. But it's just amazing. You know, like these are the guys who got who. there's no ethical way to make a billion dollars. So these are all people who have made their living off the backs of, you know. Hoarding the surplus wealth of everybody else's labor, and it's just kind of tickles me to see them get fucked over by one of their own Um, because it's obviously not above them, obviously. But uh, you rarely ever get the chance to see it like this. And so to see it is, uh, again, it sucks because the the A's are bad and deserve to, to have a better team. It is kind of funny to see billionaires be uh, equally as small with themselves as they are with others. Of course, it's all ego. If you had like twenty million dollars dropped in your lap, what would you do with it? Um, because that's this I guy's saw, life. I saw a very similar question uh, on Twitter today. And I realized the first thing I would do if I was just given twenty million dollars, other than just pay off debts. Is I'd get a membership at a golf course. Yeah, <laughs> but so so but here's what makes it more complicated. Not more complicated, but fucking a stupider question to ask. Um, what would you do if you had were given twenty million dollars and already owned everything you'd want? That because that's this guy's real question. He took twenty yeah. million dollars and theoretically he owns a sports franchise. Yeah. Yeah, like my follow up would be like, oh, I'd buy a golf course, but. He owns the stadium. He he's buying a team. Like the next step is just buying a league, right? <laughs> I am commissioner now. 
ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. What would be really funny, it's like I would almost appreciate the chaos. Like, how would you feel about this chaotic hypothetical that would never happen? John Fisher did exactly what he did. He he cut payroll in half and pocketed. I just keep saying 20 million. I have no idea how it is, how much it is, but that's Probably a convenient more. figure. Um, 20 million bucks. So he got $60 million. And he just like donates all of it to a, a very worthwhile charity. Zero. There's zero a zero one. percent chance that would happen. No, 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 I know. But how would you feel? Because obviously, oh. as a baseball fan, you'd be like, well, that should be payroll, but because you're taking money from other billionaires to do it. I can't be too mad, I guess. Knowing how like 90% of charities function, I would still be upset. Oh, that's a good point. Fuck you, Susan G. Coleman Foundation. <laughs> as long as as long as they don't start another oh, foundation, God, that's the real shit. What? Uh, you said Susan B. Coleman or Susan G. Coleman. Yeah, I was like, Josh, it's Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> How dare these women vote? <laughs> How dare the hubris oh, to think they know better long, than me, a man. Day. Yeah. Holy shit. Fuck you, Susan B. Anthony. Oh, that's fucking funny, man. Oh, God. Yeah, we're on, we're on our game today. <laughs> Get another year and all the work she did, it will be gone. Yeah, right. I can't wait to make decisions for my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're excited to uh, take control of her bank account when she's no longer allowed to have one of her own? I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to sign permission slips for when she has to drive into town. <laughs> it's going to be really exciting. Oh, God. Like, we joke, but this is just... Uh... It's, it's the path. Come back in one year, and we'll have this conversation. And we'll see how far we are from these things happening. Or we'll see what uniforms we're wearing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Anyway, <laughs> nineteen eighty four was like twenty five years too early. Yeah. Um. Oh God, it's like so hard to pivot off of too because it just like sucks my mental capacity right away. But uh, here's the transition. Hockey happened, um, mm-hmm. and now hockey won't be happening for a while because Stanley Cup final is over, and the Colorado Avalanche have bested the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games, um, which, thank God. Oh, we needed that. Yeah, I, I would not have been happy if they somehow threw that away. Yeah, it comes on the back of a, um, a final score in game six of three to two, which was a nail biter there at the end. Sorry, no, uh, two to one, sorry, uh, which was a nail biter there at the end. Um, it was a laugher of a series at first. And then, of course, much like the Rangers series, it comes back to Tampa where they score a bunch of goals and life is pain. Um, and then it went back and forth a little bit. The game six ended up being in Tampa for its conclusion. And so um, the Stanley Cup was awarded amidst uh, rousing silence which is always it's, just, it's good to have as fun. It is for teams to win as, as fun. It is on their home ice doing it in an opposing stadium 
where you're either getting booed or it's just utter silence and you could just hear everything. It's good to be reminded of that because it's so fitting. It's, it's, it's lovely to see those fans who have already had so much given to them over the past few years have to suffer. I mean, I I would prefer it be on home ice to hear some cheering as the Stanley Cup gets delivered. But yeah, it is nice for the Lightning. How about the fact that the Lightning act like fucking little bitches for the whole uh, series every time a goal got scored? Um, people are wildly successful and then are wildly uh, entitled because of it. Who would have thought? Yeah, um, the Conn Smythe Trophy ended up going to a lot of trophies get handed out with this stuff, so I'm not going to you know yeah. read out all of them. But the the the, the, the Conn Smythe, yeah, the the, the Conn Smythe ended up going to Kale McCarr, um, eight goals, twenty one assists, twenty nine total points uh, from the defenseman in his third year in the NHL. Um, he has already Norris won Trophy winner this year. No, the Norris Trophy. He was a Calder winner. Um, First team all star the last two seasons. Uh, just if man, all rookie his first year in the league. Just what a ridiculous start to his fucking career. Um, I mean, goddamn. The lead goal scorer for the entirety of the postseason was Evander Kane with 13, tied with Nathan McKinnon with 13, which is just wild because Nathan McKinnon played a lot more games than Evander Kane did. Yep. Uh, Leader in assists was Leon Dreisaitl with 25. Leader with points was Connor McDavid with 33. Uh, and leader in goals it's created funny was how, Connor uh, McDavid. Oh, literally all of that comes back to one line on one team who did not make it. Could you imagine that team with good goaltending? It, it's fucking unbelievable. Both them and Toronto have been plagued by utterly atrocious goaltending for like three or four straight seasons. And how about the fact that Toronto is also now plagued by the, the ghost of Nazem Kadri, who was shit talked his entire time in Toronto goes off and wins the Stanley cup in his first year out of there. First Muslim player to win the uh, Stanley cup. Really? Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Right. Good for him. Uh, I'm a big Nazem Kadri fan from uh, just teams in the past and everything. Very f- fun young player over the years. Speaking of, of uh, players and teams from the past, this also is the mark of another dynasty. Um, it is the mark of the Corey Perry losing in the Stanley Cup final dynasty, as uh-huh. he did win, did lose his third straight Stanley Cup with three different teams. After getting knocked out by the Tampa Bay Lightning twice, twice joins them and loses. That's so fitting. It's just amazing. It's amazing. And fuck Corey Perry in the ass. That guy sucks. I hate Corey Perry. I'm to sorry see that him we get railed like that. It's just wonderful. Uh, nothing will ever make me happier than the long walk of shame during the winter classic when he had to walk what felt like a quarter mile from the rink to the uh dugout or I forget what stadium it was, but yeah, long, lonely walk very early in that game. Uh, real quick, I misspoke. Now some countries in his third year with the avalanche. I don't know why I said first. I knew it wasn't right. That's why I had to look it up. Um, I honestly wasn't paying attention, so I didn't catch it. Yeah. So all is good. 
Yeah, in his um, in his time in Colorado, he uh, oh shit, I didn't realize he scored eighty-seven points this year. Wow. Yeah, he uh, he was on an utterly electric start. He was on a hundred and ten point pace to start the season. Like he had a wild, wild year. Yeah, uh, career high in goals by uh, no, it's not sorry, four four goals shy of matching his career high. And then just, a, I mean, almost double his career high in assists. I know he was hurt for a while. How many games did he end up playing? 71. Really? Yeah. I guess it was mostly in the playoffs, end of the season. Yeah, and still, you know, missing 11 games is a pretty, like, because, you know, with the NHL, you only play three or four games a week. You know, if you're missing 11 games, you're missing three, maybe four weeks. So it's still a good chunk of time, even if it's not the mm-hmm. world over in games. Um. Yeah, so great to see from them the Avalanche, who had struggled, which I know is weird to say because they won the series, but they had struggled a little bit after Game Two to really have leads. Um, since they didn't have a lead at all, I think in Game One, that was the overtime game that they won. Um, they obviously carried Game Two handily, got beaten Game Three, and. Un- Another overtime game in game four, which, again, I don't think they led at all in game four, lost in game five, and then game six, they were leading. They led the whole game pretty much. Um, I think they might have been tied for a spell there at 1-1. I don't really remember any. No, no, no. I think it was 2-0. So, yeah, I think that one, I don't remember. I'm not going to look it up either. Fuck that shit. But it was it was a little bit of weird because they were clearly playing it, playing it at, I mean, a very, very high level, but haven't really been able to translate that into consistent leads. Um, but in game six, I mean, they were shut down. Did you watch any of the game? No. That third period, Tampa might as well not have even come out in the fucking ice. Really? I, I mean, dude, it was one of the most impressive third periods I've ever seen. Because you got to think. quite the statement. It's game six. Your team is a about to be eliminated. It's the third period. You're down. You've got to do like you're fighting against the most desperate a team can really get. And they let up nothing. Nothing. Nice. I mean, that shit was fucking impressive. And it was stuff like, like you get so many moments of that from the avalanche throughout the series. Um, where they were really, even though they didn't have like leads necessarily, their 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 play just suffocated the Lightning at various junctures. So, uh, you know, able to overcome Vasilevsky, got some suitable goal goaltending from Kemper. Um, it was a great series. Good, 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 good. Uh, who's your prediction who for who's going to be in it next year? Um. Uh, there's the question of do the avalanche go back? Um, I say no. I also say no only because it's, so, it's just so hard. It's very, very hard to go back. Um, even in appearances, it's it's tough to go back to back. So let, let's say um, let, uh, fucking I'm going to let's go with uh, fucking Cal Edmonton. Edmonton figures it out. Edmonton's there next year um, and they lose in six games to the Rangers. 
Uh, I'm going to say, I already was going to say Edmonton, but I'm going to say Edmonton and Carolina. I wouldn't trust Carolina. I would, if I had to pick a real non-homer answer, I think I'd pick, um, honestly, Toronto. It wouldn't be a bad guess. I just, I like Carolina. I'm granted. I didn't watch a lot of regular season hockey, but just going based off of how they performed against the Rangers, I know that series went to seven games. But Toronto never really they they, they lacked a lot of the offense. They had a really solid forecheck, and they had some good goaltending, but they really didn't have Toronto? much on. Uh, no, no, Carolina. They they really didn't have much going on the offense, and once um, the Rangers were able to kind of do more in figuring out how to navigate their forecheck, that that was kind of it. Like that was all they seemed to really have. Cause once you, they, they were in their own defensive zone, like they were, they were good, but they were, they were, I think vulnerable at a lot of points and lacked the offense to make up for it. Um, sure. But that's for me watching one series of hockey this year um, against Carolina. So what the fuck do I know? I, I need MSG to not be a network anymore. Uh, please stop. You're not good at it. And I hate you. Yeah. I hate you. We all hate you. If there's one thing that Rangers, Islanders, and Devils fans can agree on, it's that MSG Network fucking blows. Please just stop. Agreed. Um, yeah. It'll never yeah. stop. Uh, why don't we close on Freddie Freeman? Um, I've been going for a little bit. Uh, yeah. What was the thing that you had read? Um, basically... Freddie Freeman and his contract negotiations with Atlanta. Um, his agent had failed to tell Freddie about the Braves' final offer, knowing that Freddie would have accepted it because he wanted nothing more than to stay in Atlanta. Um, and seeing as Freddie played in his first series in Atlanta this past week, he found out about it and fired his agent. He signed a six-year deal in L.A. Uh, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be in Atlanta. And I think this is going to be, you know, this is just coming out, but I think this is going to end up turning into a pretty interesting story um, because of how utterly emotionally devastated Freddie Freeman seemed to be when he was back in Atlanta this past week. Um, I think he requests a trade, uh, and I'm, I think it would be wild to see Olsen and Freddie Freeman traded one for one. Maybe a little bit going back to uh, the Dodgers on top of it, but we'll see. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. What? What? Why not? They're signed to extremely similar deals. Olsen's honestly on a better deal. Uh, they're playing the same level of baseball. Atlanta wants him back as basically the face of that team. Outside of Ronald Acuna, Freddie wants to be back. It's not like, you know, there's some wild amount of moves that need to be made to make it work. Like it's, it's about as close to a one-to-one as you can find. No, 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 it is. No, it is not. No, no. For, all right. Let's address the points of the matter. First of all, Frederick Freeman is 32. Matt Olson is 28. So there's four uh, years of depreciation that don't factor in with Matt Olson. Sure. All right. Secondly, let's see. Uh, 
Matt Olson, 1.2 war this year. Freddie Freeman, 2.4. So Freeman's overperforming. So, all right, maybe those two things balance out, but I don't really fucking think so. Um, and then let's see, six years, 162. Olsen, eight years, 168. So Olsen's cheaper. Yeah. Like by a good amount. So mm-hmm. it means that the Braves would be getting um, more expensive and older. Granted, but marginally better, but more expensive and older. And the Dodgers would be getting cheaper and younger. They'd be helping the Dodgers. But it's it's the guy who has been the heart and soul of your team for how long was he there? Eight years? I can tell you in one second. I'm navigating away from the page. 13, 12 years. Wow. That has to carry some serious weight. Look, I'm not saying I expect it to happen, but I think of all of the feel-good trades that you could possibly have in baseball – that one is probably the easiest to wrap your head around occurring. I think the only way that that happens is if Freddie Friedman is like somehow pl- both playing for the Dodgers and on his deathbed and has 24 hours to live. Yeah, sure. And the Dodgers are like, we'll trade him to you for like a, a can of Coke um, so that he can die a brave um, or die an Atlanta baseball person. And that let that be it. I don't think that that's happening any other way. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, it's also I, I get Freddie firing his agent. I'm sure he's mad about it. It is also a little bit got to be performative because um, his agent's getting paid on the whole contract because he negotiated it. So I just checked if Freddie has any opt outs, which doesn't look like he does, which means that I believe the agent's getting paid for every year of this contract since, again, he negotiated it and helped sign, helped him sign it. Um so that agent's getting paid one way or the other. Um, <clears throat> if Freddie gets a different contract, renegotiates, I guess, I think. I don't really know. I'd have to ask somebody who knows more about this shit than I do. It, what happens with the agent's compensation. Um, but if nothing changes, that guy's getting paid. And there's no point in having a new agent until the next contract comes around since Freddie has no opt outs. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. So I get it. Obviously, you don't want to have to associate with that guy that you perceive as having fucked you. Um, Even if it's just in a tertiary sense, you know, you're all set up and don't necessarily need his help with contract work in the immediate future but yeah largely i guess it's not going to be so impactful that guy's still making his money off of this contract that he negotiated so oh well oh well yeah you want to talk about anything else before we skedaddle no skedaddle away then all right well if you want to follow the show on twitter you can do so at juicing pod if you'd like to send, uh, if you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Haller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juiceinthenumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.